Hey, this is Adam Cruz, owner-broker of the Herman London Real Estate Group and host of the St. Louis Realtor Podcast. And this is Shannon St. Pierre, a realtor at Herman London and co-host of the St. Louis Realtor Podcast. Before we begin, we just want to say that we are Realtors, which is different from someone who is simply an agent. The term Realtor identifies a real estate professional who is a member of the National Association of Realtors and subscribes to its strict code of ethics. And even though it's called the St. Louis Realtor Podcast, this show is for everyone who's interested in real estate. Buyers, sellers, Realtors, HGTV watchers, everyone. So if this specific episode isn't exactly what you're looking for, go through our past episodes and I guarantee you'll find a topic that interests you. And if there's a topic you want us to cover, email us at podcast at hermanlondon.com. That's Herman, H-E-R-M-A-N-N, london.com. And we'll talk about it on an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening and enjoy. From the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with Adam Cruz and Shannon St. Pierre. Welcome, everybody, to the St. Louis Realtor Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Cruz, here with my co-host, Shannon St. Pierre. Hello. And we are super excited. Today's topic is all about this concept of working from home. And we have a very special guest here today, a longtime friend, (laughs) Kevin Kelly. Kevin is the owner of Snakebite which he'll tell us a little about, an anti-agency, which I'm sure he'll tell us about. But he is a guy who I helped buy a building a while ago that we wanted. he wanted to make sure that he could work from home. And this, this kind of work from home concept, I think, is growing. And so we wanted to really get into it with you today, Kevin. Ooh, Thanks for being here. Sounds good, man. Thanks for the invite. I was very pumped to be on this podcast Yeah, in HLHQ. My first video podcast, <laughs> which I sprouted a beautiful zit for. <laughs> Is that what the hat's doing? Kind of. It's keeping it at bay. Okay. Yeah, had but you I, not okay. said anything, we I guess I just known. blew my cover. Totally. Uh, well, we do appreciate you being here. Yeah. And so you are a guy, obviously you're an entrepreneur. Both of those companies that I mentioned are your companies. Yes. I know you've had Anti for a very long time. Uh-huh. And Snakebite, you've had actually for a pretty long time too. A couple, how many This is years? the sixth year. Sixth year? Uh-huh. Okay. So I have some, still I have a few of the custom Herman London snake oh, bites my God, that I, I bought about forever this. ago. <laughs> yeah, do you still do Early custom supporter. snake bites? Oh, yeah. I like mean, custom with your initials? Well, it's instead of saying snake bite on the leather part, it says Herman London on the leather part. Yes. Yeah, so basically custom wholesale is a huge part of the business. Okay. Um, take a company's logo, we make a dye for it, and then you heat treat or heat stamp that dye into the leather. You can do foil stamps and things like that. Um, and then it becomes kind of a promotional item. Ah, a little promotional trinket. That's yes, a pretty, pretty expensive nice, one. Yeah, I was going to say, that's <laughs> a little bit more than that. That's pretty nice. Yeah, in the beginning, I didn't really want to do that because I was trying to uh, have some kind of concept of, oh, this is a, a heritage product. You know, we're not going the whole samples route and putting other logos on it. And that quickly fell by the wayside because I realized I wanted to make money. Yeah. So. Well, you guys have always been focused on kind of the Snakebite brand. And I know we're already yeah. off topic. That's what we're famous for. Yeah, that's for, all right. But, um, <laughs> because 
like the hat you have on, I bought one of those hats. Yes. You know, and I'm proud to wear a snake bite hat. You yeah. Know? And um, when we, we did it, we both did an event a long time ago in, in the, uh, on Cherokee. And we were giving out koozies with our company brand on it. And you guys were selling koozies, you know? Yeah. And people were buying them. Yeah. And because it's it's kind of like the Adidas concept where people want to pay to have the brand on there. And I think... Well, it's a cool logo. Snakebite has like turned into a... <laughs> a lifestyle brand is what you would call it. People yeah. are proud to wear a Snakebite shirt or whatever. Well, the whole concept uh, kind of stemmed from t-shirts. You know, t-shirts were really just a perfunctory item. People would put their logos on them and then just give them away. Joey, can you put a link to uh, dictionary.com for prefunctory on the... Per, per, uh, perfunctory. Perfunctory. Okay, yes, great. not prefunctory. Okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm whipping up all this vocab. I'm just pumped. It's kind of nice. <laughs> a little I change of pace. Pause why I look that word up. <laughs> uh, but anyways, they were just given away. You know, they weren't really a collector's item. People didn't really pay a lot of money for t-shirts. And then all of a sudden with rock bands uh, becoming more and more popular... Then they became kind of collector's items for people that went to live shows. And fast forward 20, 30, 40 years, and the T-shirt is obviously something that you don't mind paying 30, 40, 50 bucks for anymore, even up to a couple hundred dollars, depending on what that T-shirt is. Uh, hold on there. Yeah, He says uh, you, he means people. I'm saying in yeah. general. I don't either. <laughs> but like, I mean, I now will spend $30 on a T-shirt is like, oh, yeah, that's a great T-shirt of a local band or artist or yada, yada, yada. Um, whereas before, I couldn't imagine spending more than like $15 on a T-shirt. So we took that idea of like, okay, T-shirts have done really well. This is a bottle opener. A lot of people make bottle openers. A lot of people give away bottle openers. How do you make something that has that kind of appeal that people want to own it? So you, well, it's not just a bottle opener, though. If people are not familiar with Snakebite, well, I, <laughs> I have bought one uh, long before I actually even knew you or knew that Adam knew you. Yeah. Um, and because it's a really cool gift. Sure. Yeah. So it's more like um, what you describe as like a church key. It's overly designed bottle opener. Right. And it has yeah. instead of the traditional one point church key, traditional like. Where did the church key term come from anyway for that thing? Uh, the church key term came from monks carrying around a key. Man, this is really testing my memory. Um, to the cellar. And uh, monks could only have like two beers a day. So the monk that had the key, he held the church key to the uh, the craft beer or to the beer cellar. Uh, you might want to look that fact up. I don't know if I'm accurate. But something to having to do with monks and their allotment for beers each day and oh, to a wow. church key. But on the bottle, it is just a bottle opener. It's the can where the magic of the snake bite comes into play. Yeah, wow, this is really turning into an advertisement it's, for snake bite. It's not <laughs> supposed it to be. It is really cool. And it has a, like, a yeah. little leather holder that it just slips into. And you yes. would carry it on his keychains. Yeah, uh, and, and it's all made in America. And most uh, uh, and all the components are then shipped here from other states. And then we make it down on Cherokee Street. And the point Louis. is you can pour your beer faster. You can drink it faster. And that's really what we're looking for in life. And it's local business and local goods. You know, all of that whole world we're trying to uh, encompass and just having a good time, honestly. So, which I, is what the and, brand encompasses. And the real point is that he's <laughs> yeah, this master that of I did industry. it from home. He's a master <laughs> of industry, but you work from home. I guess you would kind of call it like corporate headquarters is where you live because yeah. a lot of the like making and stuff goes on somewhere else. That's right? correct. But the, the corporate headquarters of Snakebite and anti agency is from your house. Right. So, I think something interesting is to preface with uh, 
when I quit my job, I contacted you and I was looking for a dual uh, live workspace mm-hmm. and just something funky. I know we were looking at old churches. You didn't uh, want just like a I didn't want a bedroom house. to be your office. Yeah. You wanted like something different. I wanted something strange that you could retrofit. And I don't know where that idea even came from. It was probably from movies and TV, watching some spy live in an airport, uh, old airport hangar or something. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what I want. Um, and so we started looking at places and I think it was almost, you didn't even really know what to look for. Mm-hmm. You're like, should I be looking at commercial? Should I be looking at funky home? Should I be looking at mixed use? Yeah. And so we kind of just cast um, the MLS map pretty wide open for all these funky properties, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the they beginning need of. to add that category, by the way. Funky. funky. Yeah. Funky. Special well, interest or something. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and I've seen some people try to own a specific thing. Isn't there like the church lady, the yeah. STL church lady Jill or something? Megalio kills it with churches. Yeah. And which is very interesting to me. Uh, interesting to me from like a niche perspective just like yeah i'm the church lady (laughs) i sell churches Mm -hmm. it's kind of smart in a way um but i uh it took me a long time but eventually we found this condo situation uh that was completely rehabbed that was an office on the first floor and then the four units above were all residential we walked into that and i was kind of feeling or thinking to myself i'm like this is a little too little too done you know yeah there's some nice exposed brick but there's granite countertops there's brand new hardwood floors carpet i said this is a little too west county for me but they still (laughs) straight they straight up had like the lady at the front desk right yeah they had the lady at the front desk they had the giant um conference table Uh and then the two separate rooms were uh two offices for the presidents and the vice president of the business so uh, you said, what do you think about this? And in my head, I'm like, nah, this is way too done. You know, it's weird. There's a weird mural. <laughs> There's a weird yeah. funky window on the bedroom wall or what was going to be the bedroom wall. But I stopped and just kind of thought about it. And we came back and uh, shot him a very low ball number, uh, to which they gave us quite a wonderful reply. Uh, and back and forth, back and forth, and eventually got it for a really nice price. Now, this was seven years ago. So. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think what you've, you've sort of probably grown into that space kind of, I guess, and maybe it's, it may be even too small for you now. Grown into and now starting to grow out of. Yeah. yeah. Because part of your business, I think you do like photo shoots through, through the anti side, maybe more you do like photo right. shoots and stuff. Have you ever recorded anything with that kitchen? Uh, video wise? Yeah. Like a, didn't you do like a, commercials and stuff like that we i have done a a series of commercials mainly in the living space because it does have that nice exposed brick wall okay throw some leather couches up there and it just looks you know like a cool set um but initially it was that i was interested in just having a space that clients could come in and that they wouldn't feel like they're walking into a home in Kirkwood Uh or webster groves oh that's pretty smart Right, it does feel like that. It right, feels it feels more commercial sto- first, and it's like it's a large basically like your bedroom window. is probably the more most residential part of it. Yes, yeah, and and so that was the idea, and so I did start to have some meetings there, and this was in the year what is it now, 2020? So this was like 2013, 2014, and what I slowly started to realize is that I didn't even really need to have meetings, you know, or I would just come to the person's place of work. 
So the whole idea of this being an office kind of fell by the wayside within the first two years. And then it just kind of became... Like a public office. Like a public office. Now it's just your home office. And you didn't want the guests come in and be like, oh, there's his towel from this morning, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I had to maintain some sense of decorum and, uh, you know, a public feel to it to where people weren't grossed out by a towel or underwear on the corner. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, I think that that's funny because that was the idea of what I was going to have. And then what the reality actually became is that nobody really wants to come visit you anyways if they don't have to. Mm -hmm. And as a marketing professional, they appreciated me just coming to their office. Yeah, that's so interesting that you, you, you know, I guess most of the people that we think of working from home, it is more of like, working from home in your underwear kind of thing. Right? Yeah. So like pajamas. There so was some video in... where some guy had to be like on CNN or something and he, they like stand up and they're wearing shorts, but they have like a tie on top, you know, or whatever. Or what about but, that video with the guy who's with, on the news and his baby or his kid comes walking yeah. in the back. And, and yeah. the wife comes crawling like in, pulling the kids <laughs> so out. That's what you that think is of more reality. Is like, though. Yeah. That is the reality. You think of people sitting, like one of my favorite things in the world to do is sit on my sofa with my laptop and watch TV like while I'm working, you know, it's, yeah. it's amazing. I but, can't do that, but I respect that you can. <laughs> yeah, but that's because you're not doing it all day long. Like no, that's, that's your nighttime like I, routine. And that's I think that's I come a very, home and want to work for a few more hours. Yeah. That's because you're trying to knock out a few more emails, which is probably a typical, um, habit of a lot of people. Um, but you're not doing it all day long right. in your pajamas. So I'd have meetings all the time where people are like, Man, I really got this idea. I've got fifty thousand dollars. I want to make the next uh, Pandora meets Facebook meets Twitter. And I, after probably six of those meetings, I'm like, okay, I can't do these meetings anymore. They're not beneficial. People have no idea how startups actually work. So let me figure out a way to kind of put Stop a having these put a yeah put a, a a safety gap or a moat in between these people taking my time. So when you say, okay, shoot me an email. 50% of the people already just don't bother. And then when they, when they do shoot you an email and have focused questions that they've taken the time, because most people don't even really want to have that much focus when they're meeting. They just want to like bitch about something and have you give them uh, positive platitudes about how they're, you're doing great, man. Just keep it up. You know, let's touch basis in another month, which is just kind of bullshit. If you're really trying to get something done, that's the first thing to say. Send me an email. They send you the email. I reply. And that really uh, sums up the remaining 50% or 25%. You answer my questions. Great. We don't need to meet. <laughs> and then your day's not broken up and you're able to get more things done throughout the day. So how often do you go out for coffee? When some Never now. Never now. Never. Uh, my system throughout the day is that the mornings from about 7.30 or 8 a.m. to when you know whenever I wake up, I... Go make coffee, chill out, try not to look at my phone, um, read. I read every single day, and I try to get about 45 minutes in. Uh, then I'll slowly... Are you, are you reading something personal? Do you just read No, just any, any topic that interests me. Uh, a, a lot any of nonfiction, um, and I've tried to introduce more fiction uh, here and there because I think that if it's a good book, like I just read Lonesome Dove last year and into this year, it's about a 900-page Western, but it's incredible. And I really enjoyed it so much more than all of these uh, pop psychology and self-help books that we kind of inundate ourselves with. 
It's information overload. So the fiction, it, it just is. takes a step back and just And it's kind passive. Of, yeah, you're being, yeah, like instead so of being talked to, you're being... Uh, and feeling like, oh gosh, I need to do this, I need to do that. And like yeah. starting to work yourself up. I actually, yes, I can see and the I'll, value I, in fiction. I found a lot of the pop psychology books and self-help books all file the same damn format. And after a while, I'm realizing, like, I read Atomic Habits and I read... Um, I don't, I'm trying to remember the last one that I read. Um, I have to be careful because some books don't necessarily follow the mold and I like those authors. But like, you know, some of the top 10 books in the past five years and they mm-hmm. all say, here's the problem. Here's a bunch of anecdotal stories about why it's good or bad or how to beat it. Right. And they're just way too long. It's just people following the New York Times bestseller format of writing a pop psychology self-help book and after a while, like, they all kind of blend together. Uh, so that's where I started reading fiction again. And really, if you find good fiction, it, it kind of helps you more than any of the self-help books. Like, there's ideas in Lonesome Dove that I'll remember until I die. Really? Oh, my God. It's such a good book. Uh, like, can you give an example? I mean, just quotes. And, oh, you know, quotes. I mean, uh-huh. if you get into the Western genre, you know, it's a lot of stoicism and blunt uh, violence and things, and, and he was trying to write um, a novel that went against the romanticized version of the Western novel, which is like, oh, you know, damsel in distress, come in six shooter, blazing. This guy wanted main characters to just kind of die off bluntly, like and quickly, kind of like the original uh, Game of Thrones <laughs> was the novel, the Western novel. Cormac McCarthy is another component of this. I know we're going so far off topic, but, like, okay. but um, yeah, it's anyways, all that to be said, I read, <laughs> slowly start to introduce social media, then I probably won't check my email until about 11 o'clock um, because I just don't want that kind of um, urgency that early on. You know, if you live your life waking up and introducing urgency from the moment that you're awake then you just notice that everything starts to go much quicker. Days start to fly by. You don't really remember a whole lot of things. It's just like, well, when was Christmas? I feel like it was yesterday, and it's already March 4th right now. Um, so it's it's just trying to introduce slowness on a daily basis before I do my emails and have my core productivity session from about 10.30 till 3.30. Um, and that's when I try and get all my items done for that day. And then I'll slowly take phone calls, check back in on things that I've been, you know, following up on. Uh, all with all with just trying to have a healthy mental attitude about working for myself and working from home to bring it all back around. <laughs> well, that all, I mean, that all is, it's very interesting, you know, the, yeah. all that that you're saying. And part of the questions we were going to ask about is like dealing with distractions when you're sure. working from home and stuff like that. And it seems... You know, I could kind of go off on a little interesting tangent about the coffee meetings that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people probably would be more likely to say yes to the coffee meeting, A, because of like the social pressure of it. Yeah. But B, because if they go to the coffee meeting, they feel like they're working, right? Yep, feel like like it. No, I'm getting up. I got to get my dress shirt on. I'm going to Starbucks to meet up. I've got a business meeting. I'm taking notes in my uh, field brand, field notes. And here I am, like (laughs) I'm out doing business at a coffee shop. And like your point is... Then you go home and you didn't actually do anything. You didn't further your business. You didn't make any money. Yeah. You didn't whatever. And you just wasted probably two hours of your day at least. Right. And 
you know, I guess I was lucky in that I quit my job when I was still relatively young. So I was 25, mm-hmm. uh, right before the recession. So you barely ever even worked. Well, I, no, I worked. <laughs> had a job. I, mean. I, I worked full time uh, for three years, uh, about fifty to sixty-five hours a week, doing uh, doing art direction and graphic design. Okay. So it was uh, before that I freelance. So I, I I got out of school a little bit earlier than normal, and then I freelanced for two years with a bunch of agencies around town, and then I needed to go full time to really understand, you know the sacrifice and what it means to show up to the same place every day. Hmm. So I did that for three years straight. When I turned 25, I realized this is not for me. It's nice having a salary. It's nice having a constant paycheck and awesome health benefits. But this is, not, this is not my path. You mm-hmm. know? I just knew it. Um, then quitting the job and slowly getting introduced into freelance and slowly cultivating uh, personal responsibility and good habits that probably took about six years you know it wasn't an overnight thing i had the leeway and i had the runway to be in a band and not really worry about money because i had saved all my money working full time and then i slowly you know this wasn't like an overnight thing it took me a long time to cultivate my ideas of what a good productive day looks like and how to get there quickly um, now, other people I know who have quit their job and try to start working for themselves immediately, they have to, they don't have the luxury of time that I had being in my, you know, mid twenties. So there are tips like get out of your pajamas as quickly as possible and put on your work clothes and to get into the work mindset. That's yeah, that's an obvious thing. I don't necessarily like have to put on a three piece suit and, you know, say it's work time, Kevin. But I probably would have benefited having done that when I was 26 or 27. Right. I just didn't have the personal self-responsibility at that point. Well, yeah. I mean, this we're kind of talking about working from home today, but yeah. there's different types of people that work from home, right? You're in sure. the entrepreneur category. Yes. There's people who are employees that work from home. Yeah. Right? And then there's some employees. Which is a different ballgame game. Totally different ballgame. And then there's employees. I know a guy who works from home, and his company tracks him more than I think they would if he worked at the office. Oh, interesting. And so he gets a break. He walks around his house with one of those like old kitchen timers. Yeah. 15-minute break. And he's like walking around his house like <laughs> doing whatever. Like, oh, i got to get back to the desk. Screw you know? that. Oh, my and they God. Can How do really... they track then? Well, Is it tracking his... software just by being on the computer and movement yeah, of the computer? I think his, his what's, job, what's he do? He's like taking calls and stuff. For, okay. Uh, for like insurance related stuff so that's pretty easy to track yeah. oh, a okay. lot of other people mm-hmm. like i've got another friend who works from home like on mondays you know her company lets her do that yeah and it's that that's one of those things that's super taken advantage of where it's like as long as my mouse moves every 45 minutes <laughs> i'm working you know but they can't really track what she's doing yeah so i guess there's the trackable work from home there's the non-trackable work from home and then there's the entrepreneur there's probably other categories but sure so one of the questions i was going to ask about is like staying motivated mm-hmm. but that probably has nothing for you and your category entrepreneur yeah. that probably has nothing to do with working from home it has a lot more to do with just i want to be successful in my business yeah i mean well what's my go-to line is that um you'll never be happy until you work for yourself but i don't recommend it to anybody yeah <laughs> And that is the truth. It's a double-edged sword. Um, yes. I like that. You get your freedom. And yes, 
you are fully actualized in your professional mind of dictating what it is that you do. But yes, you never stop thinking about business and you never stop thinking about what you can do. And vacations are the biggest litmus test. When you go on vacation, when you have a full-time job, you're able to disconnect fully because it's all in the office. When you work for yourself, you take that with you. You still have the mental office <laughs> going like big on. Big picture thinking a lot of times. Right. And I just went on a um, vacation two weeks ago. And it took me four, three to four days to even snap out of the productivity mindset. Totally. Yep. I think it takes me about three days. The first three days, I'm sort of on stress a little bit. You know, like Yeah. We're going go-karting or whatever, and I'm kind of like, uh, cool, do you mind if I sit out and like check mm-hmm. my emails? You know? And well, then maybe by day four, I'm like, let's do this. Or even trying to maximize your vacation. Like, we were in uh, Central America. I'm like, okay, I want to check out this volcano. We want to go to this small little town and check out the market. And once we got to the place, and three days later of saying, why are we trying to run around? Why are we trying to do all this? Let's just stay here mm-hmm. and decompress and turn off. And then I was finally able to get to like beach brain. <laughs> beach brain. And when you get to that point, then the ideas start to come in passively without you even thinking about it. So you'll just be sitting on the beach, sipping on a Corona, and just an idea will come out of nowhere. And you're like, oh my God, that's great. Let me grab my phone and just write that down. You know, and that's a beautiful place to be too. And then, you know, coming back from the trip, it's hard to snap back into productive mode because you're still stuck in beach brain. And you're wondering, why am I even here? Why don't I live in, in Central America? America? You know, you've romanticized yeah. the trip already, being I mean, back. It's so easy to come back. To me, it's easy to come back and get back into that rat race or whatever. It and took me three, four back, days. There's a big stack of mail. It's like, okay, here we go. Well, it's, no, it took me it took a long time. Long. Yeah, I got back last Tuesday, and I was really suffering with, like, uh, you know, the existentialism of being an entrepreneur and, like, mm. Why am I why am I responding to this email? <laughs> and then then it was, you know, I had a fun weekend and then Monday it was like, okay, I'm ready to do this again. Ready to get back on the ready Nice to get little back plug into for it. Corona. I think they need it right now, by the way. Oh yeah. Their sales have dipped a little bit. So. Yes. Well, you've talked a little bit about kind of how you organize your day. It's not, yeah. you know, which I think we were interested in. Um, I think uh you talked a little bit about sort of being motivated. One one of the things that we that I've seen in realtors, people mm-hmm. have their corporate job. Yeah. They decide they want to become a realtor. They quit their corporate job probably way too soon. They become a realtor. And then day one, they sort of show up. Yeah. We're like, hey, how you doing? You know, here's some things to do. You know, day two, they show up an hour later. Mm-hmm. No one gets mad at them. What's going <laughs> on? Right. Day three, they don't show up at all. Yeah. Nothing bad happens to them. And then day four, they're at home watching Oprah and like <laughs> doing their laundry. You know? Yeah. And so I, I guess I'm just, and that doesn't work for people. So this whole like being right. motivated but self-starter thing is what. Yeah, but to, there, you know, that's a nuanced conversation. Uh, you're talking about a lot of different things. You're talking about people's purpose. You're talking about what they have anticipated being a realtor, mm-hmm. what they think it's going to be like, and then they're they uh, have to embrace the reality of the situation, mm-hmm. which it's Ooh, that's a deep. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's true actually. because people yeah, try to like just like no. simplify it down to like, yeah, well, I don't have to go in. So, uh, you know, I'm just going to watch uh, Mama's Family reruns all day and just, you know, zone out with Oprah. Um, so are you really doing what you want to do in the first place? 
Like is realty. If you say I don't have to go in, that means right. maybe you shouldn't. The word have the purpose, to is kind though, of insinuating that you don't like, like doing that. it, you're saying. Exactly. So I think that that's the first roadblock. People are looking for these quick fixes and they look at, at uh, realty as saying, wow, look at the money I can make just by showing people homes and, mm-hmm. you know, taking, you know, getting a little bit of an education and, and they don't realize that it's just like any other entrepreneurial effort. Um, you have to be good at marketing. You have to be good at in person to person. You have to be good over the phone. You have to be considerate. All these different skill sets that people just don't even think about when they get into any field. The one, the one field that is fairly entrepreneurial that people do have a motivation in, I would say, is legal. Uh, lawyers are like, they're all entrepreneurial. And the system of uh, a law firm is set up similar to the system of a realty agency, right? More or less. I, I don't. I don't think exactly. I mean, sort of. But they, well, in terms of everybody has their own portfolio of work, and if you sell more yeah. homes or do more cases, you're going to be making more money. Probably, like eventually, uh, my and maybe you're right, but I, my impression was that a new, a lot of new attorneys, they sort of start out as a more Associate, salaried person, yeah, working for a what the more entrepreneurial type of attorney would be a partner. Yeah. yeah. Right. But eventually, they definitely become the entrepreneurial type. Yes, exactly. And then you know, there's no lack of motivation then when it comes to being a you know a partner in a law firm. Especially once you got that first big check, because it's the concept of ownership. Mm -hmm. And so once you start off at a a a real estate agency, you probably don't feel that concept of ownership as quickly as you would hope, right? Right. Um, And again, I'm pretty. I don't really know how the real estate uh, market works. Well, just like everybody else, you probably know a lot of realtors and you've seen yes. how some of them some are very successful and some don't. Yeah. Um, what was the initial question? It was, it was kind of just more about like the staying motivated oh, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think you have to determine if it's actually what you really want to do in the first place. And I think that people, I guess, I wanted to ask about dealing with distractions, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I, and I, and a lot of these questions are sort of tied together, like how you organize your house versus your workspace or whatever. But yeah. I get the impression a lot of people that work from home, it's like, well, I need to do some emails. I need to do some laundry. Yeah. I need to eat lunch. I need to design that new flyer for people or whatever. And it's yeah. like, laundry it is. Yeah, it's easy to get distracted. And I think there's a, a bunch of um, tips and hacks and all that kind of crap. Um, I think it is... I'm starting to realize like being productive is a form of meditation, which I don't meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole idea of meditation is that anytime a distraction happens, you acknowledge it and you don't, you don't chastise yourself. You just acknowledge that it's a, a distraction and then you push it aside and focus back on meditating. I think work is the same way. Um, you know, I think that you can have a streak of very, like my day, di- I'll have a very productive day typically followed up by a less productive day. And some of that is kind of this whole reward thing that we have in our mind of like the dopamine rush of checking social media. Like I had a great day yesterday, so I can slack a little starting off the day, but then the slack starts to take over until one o'clock and you're like, I haven't done anything today. And then you start to feel guilty about it. So then you start to really focus again, but then somebody texts you or, you know, you get hungry and you go make a, a sandwich and then you're off track again. Um, and I think the key is really acknowledge that you're being distracted, do what you do, and then just try and make a concerted effort to get back to the place where you are being productive. 
So do you have your home like set up though in a way that allows for productivity? You know, because you have your personal yeah. space, like your workspace and your personal space always just somehow come together. Yeah, I mean, I have right? my so. office room, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't ever take my laptop outside of that. You don't? No. So you're not sitting on the couch watching TV in your pajamas like Adam? No, I don't I don't multitask at all. I think it's a lie. A dirty lie. <laughs> oh, Adam. Supposedly it is. I've been to a few speakers about that where they try to get you to multitask. It's like, see? That yeah, no, it's a it. lie. Right, like, no, that, I mean, that, but that is the truth. You men can't and multitask. Women. Yeah, nobody can multitask. Yeah, it's you can well, only you are less productive multitasking versus just focusing on one, even for women who are yeah. typically better at Well, I think that's a stigma. I think what... It, no, the, our brains are actually wired differently. <laughs> I have looked... I'd, I'd like to see that uh, source, please. I will certainly email it Can you it pull up you. that source? I'm just kidding. Um, moving on, moving on. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but I, I think what it is is that what multitasking or the concept is is that you do certain things over and over and over, and it becomes kind of like muscle memory. So, yes, I can talk on the phone and fold clothes now, Uh me personally. Now, have you been working on that for a while? No, but I'm saying like <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> I can I can well, maintain he's with the topic that he's talking about. I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I can I, I can um, the you know day, I can mundane, do physical labor and hold a conversation. Yes. Yeah. The if you introduce more complexity to a certain task, then either the phone call or something else is going to start to suffer. But the, and a great example of that is though talking on the phone and driving, right? So right, yeah. you, the muscle, I can sit there and talk on the phone, and you can fold laundry, you can cook, you can do whatever you want, you know, whatever yeah. it is that. You, but at the same time, it is also proven over and over and over again that you cannot talk on the phone and drive. Right. What? I do that every day. That's like when I talk on the phone. Well, no, nope. you can, but your attention. Oh, you can. Sorry. Is is. But it has been proven over and over. Like if you get in front of a simulator and they start challenging you. Um, almost everyone fails. Yeah, I, t- I guess I should say I talk on the phone mainly. I'm going kind of going places where I know where I'm going. Is that but right? even that, no, because even then it just, uh, you're, but it's a, you know, the, sci- the science of it is, you know, pretty, it's simple but complicated, I guess. But yeah. it, it does speak to the fact that you cannot multitask. Right. I mean, you can drive. I think what is hindered is your awareness of what's going on. Which is true. Um, you can so, talk on the phone. You can drive. They're both like yeah, muscle yeah. memory actions of sorts. And you can drive drunk, uh, but your awareness is still going to be <laughs> heavily <not> hindered. <laughs> let's just go. We do not condone that. No. We don't condone it. No, I'm not. Just saying. If you were going to like, because when you bought the property that you live in, which sort of looks like a commercial space and yes. all that stuff. If you now knowing that you're not really going to be hosting meetings there, right? Sure. You don't have a company sign out front or whatever. Mm-hmm. What would you do differently? If so, if someone was listening, would you have bought the same space? Would you have bought more of a traditional place and just had a bedroom be your office? Yeah, because um, I also looked at a mixed use or commercial space as also a more of an investment than a home. So. Again, being an entrepreneur, I'm saying, okay, uh, if I'm tired of this space, eventually I could turn it into a coffee shop or turn it into a really crazy Airbnb um, someday if I need to do that. So the fact that it's unique, it's not like every other house on the same street. Exactly. Yeah, it's got some curb appeal. It's interesting. People always ask me what it is. I think I sent some pictures over for you guys to take a look at the facade. Um, So it's got garage doors 
people always want to know the history of it. I don't really know the history. I just know kind of anecdotally what I've been told. Uh, and, and I look at that as more of an investment than a house because, you know, people, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but like it's not wise to tell people that a home is an investment anymore. Or I don't know what your stance is on that. I would still I mean, it, say it's, 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 it is. It's obviously a good an investment, investment, but it's not a. Um, uh, you shouldn't always expect it to appreciate. Or, yeah, I don't want to ever like guarantee anyone return. Or I don't right. really want to say like this is a great deal or this is a great investment. Or I, I don't want to give any insinuation that I have a crystal ball about what the market's going to do. Sure, you know, in theory, it's better than renting, but. Still, your if your property value goes way down, then maybe it was worse than renting. Right, exactly. Um, but I looked at it as a funky enough space to where I said, okay, I could turn this into another business down the road if I leave it and move somewhere else. But it's true because you kind of have this commercial aspect feel to the front of it, and then um, you know the inside could be a multi-use space, and then. Yeah. You could live there. You could work there. You could just. Yeah, I could rent it out as a commercial space. Yeah, which I you mean, get, yours is it's you really know. unique in that way. From a from a working from home perspective, Shannon, I was actually interested in asking you about this because you work a lot from home as a realtor. But one of the things I hear from people is that when they're working from home, their spouse sort of assumes that they don't work. And so you hear about mm-hmm. a lot of realtors who are like, yeah, my spouse wants me to pick up their dry cleaning in the middle of the day or pick up the kids from school or take their grandma to the doctor or whatever like that, you know, you're not at work. And do you no, I don't because I've worked from home for since I was 25 plus. So you are, you yeah. are the one who picks up the kids. Well, and initially when I was working from home, I worked for a corporation uh-huh. and now I traveled all the time. So I would spend a couple of days in the office a week, maybe a office being my home office. Um, but then I transitioned into, you know, I built websites for a while after that job and then I became a realtor. But Mm -hmm. I think the difference between there is it's not that you working from home, you don't get the credit. It's, I don't have like, I don't get a steady paycheck. I don't have Mm -hmm. that corporate job Mm -hmm. to say, and I don't have to clock in, clock out somewhere. Mm -hmm. So then nobody, I think that in general, that people just assume that you have, this Did, extreme flexibility. Either of you guys, in, including me, but either of you guys deal with people just assuming that you're available because you're not a corporate worker type of person. Right, because you're not having to clock in, clock out. Yeah, all the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think early on, and then um, I just basically just stop answering the phone or replying to people, you know, and I think that kind of got the point across. Uh, I'm not driven by like the notifications of email or phone calls or texts. I just don't look at it. I really wonder what it would be like if I did that because I'm always replying. I'm always like I think you'd about feel the better. And all this stuff, you know? <laughs> but you're replying to who? Like the agents Everybody. where we have questions about like the contracts or the deals? Or are you talking about no? Your... If some like random person off the street emails me and asks like to go to coffee, I would go. <laughs> yes, that is your, yes, that is your, that's what you should I do, I go, and it's a yeah. lot of the times it's a real waste of time. Totally. Yeah, I mean, time is the only, uh, you know, it's the most precious currency that people give away so freely. But like, that's not me, that's I a philosopher. I can think of like but. good things that have come from some of those meetings, and maybe that's like what I'm holding on to. Probably that's a common thing. Yeah, but if you charted it out and took a look at all those meetings and said what actual good came from these, then it would probably be a pretty what low percentage. What actually moved your business forward. Yeah. That, I mean, you're making a great point. You know? Yeah. 
Oh my god, I'm touching my face. Coronavirus. <laughs> well, this uh, Shannon was making a joke about how this topic <laughs> might be more uh, oh yeah appropriate now. What is the word you used earlier? Did you, my favorite story was uh, that was perfunctory. Perfunctory. Which, this is more perfunctory now. No, because this of is the more prevalent now. Prevalent now. Well, <laughs> potentially people will be doing more working from home. They are in California, Washington State. Out. Well, my what? favorite story yeah, was that uh, they are now this. <laughs> you, do you know Zoom, the teleconference or video yeah. conferencing software? Yes. So Zoom, the stock symbol Z O O M, went surging upwards with notice of like people having to work from home. But that wasn't even the stock symbol for the video conferencing <laughs> oh, <no>. software. <laughs> Z M was the actual stock symbol for Zoom, uh, the video conferencing company. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, I hate video conferencing. I hate all sorts of group conferences. I'm in uh, a few from time to time, Microsoft Teams, all that junk. Uh, the best one I've found as a one-on-one video conferencing software is called Whereby, W-H-E-R-E-B-Y.com. Well, if it's, if it's one-on-one, what's the difference between Zoom and Whereby and um, Facebook chats? Or well, I think the ease is that people's platforms, depending on if they're PC or if it's an old PC or whatever, this has been the most hassle-free video conferencing software, Okay, not an ad, uh, that I've ever used because people it just works so instantly, quickly. The bandwidth is great. There's no lag. Uh, but like things like Microsoft Teams and one-on-one and or Join Me and all that crap, I always found like you're, they're quitting or the audio's cutting out or like, are you here, Bob? Yeah, I'm here. You, can you hear me? And then oh, there's your like picture a froze. Yeah, yeah like, the lawnmower is like, like, yeah, I'm here, but I'm really doing something else, you know. And all these group conference calls. I I've been working with this firm recently, um, just as a kind of a design consultant, and they have like nine person video conferencing meetings on Mondays, and it's hilarious. I'm not, I'm just sit there laughing while I'm getting paid listening to how much work they're not getting done uh-huh. you know and maybe part of that is you know their system and their you know their their model but the other thing is just this is ridiculous to have nine people trying to talk to each other on a video chat why are you doing this <laughs> yeah well there's probably a lot of that going on in corporations tons. in general tons yeah don't get me started on corporate america and how inept it is so for you you, you do work from home but you have <laughs> You know, on the anti side, I guess you're saying you kind of have meetings if if necessary and try to avoid it, but at their yeah. offices with the Yeah, clients. earlier on I was trying to like prop up this uh, uh Wizard of Oz mentality of my agency being a we and us of who knows how many people. Um I you know, I put on LinkedIn like, "Oh, it's a uh, 9 to 15 people," which is not true. And then eventually, once I started making money and having clients, I'm like, that that don't matter. Nobody cares. So then I started owning it, just being like, yeah, it's just me. This is how I work. But then with Snakebite, you have kind of other spaces that the business is operating in where they're making the product and do they ship from there too? Yeah. So um, the product is assembled and made and then... uh, uh, it's fulfilled from that location. But you never felt like you needed an office there or you needed to be there on a daily basis to watch or anything like that? Correct, Is yeah. Technology has given you the ability to sort of track? It, it it hasn't. You know, I think you can't expect people to do the same job that you would do. Um, I think, you know, uh, depending on what it is. But, like, if I was shipping all of my products, then... 
I would have it done 100% or maybe probably 98% correct most of the time. Mm-hmm. into what I want. If you teach someone else, they'll probably start off at like a 85% and eventually start to slip down to like a 75%. You know, depending on how good of an employee they are, that gets righted away. But if they suck, then they'll just keep slipping down to 60, 50%. And then you start getting emails from your customers saying, hey, I ordered this and that too and it wasn't in there or... Or the glasses weren't packaged correctly and they all broke on arrival. Um, But you have to get comfortable that people won't do things the Kevin Kelly 100% method or the Adam Cruz 100% method. They're going to do it the 80% method. Well, that's interesting because I would have thought as, oh, you have a product. So you can measure like I sold one snake bite. They shipped one snake bite. I paid whoever that was for one snake bite. Yeah. But there's other issues that come up. But quality control is constant. Versus if you tried to Even grow with the agency and you had a salesperson and yeah. another graphic designer, then you really, like, what are you doing for the eight hours a day that I'm paying you? It would be harder for you to track it. Right. And, you know, I it, it's very hard onboarding people. I think finding good employees is the hardest thing to do. Um, and I had, I had these dreams of growing the agency into a bigger agency. And then I realized, you know, I kind of had that moment where I said, is this really what I want to do or is this just the look like what I want to do. You know, just because I've been involved in marketing and design for 15 years, do I really want to own an agency or a studio? And I realized, no, I don't. <laughs> That's where you get into that whole concept of like, if you would grow your company now, you're no longer doing what you love about it. Now you're managing people. You're managing people. You're billing. You're whatever, writing yeah. contracts. You're not doing anything creative whatsoever. That's like the e-myth thing where like, you're no longer making pies. Yeah. Right? Yep. And I think... I've gotten into sort of a sweet spot to where I have some uh, good client connections to where they don't require a lot of work. Um, And then I have a product to where you can make money passively. Mm -hmm. And so these both allow me to focus on them um, for a segment of my day or my week. And then also allows me time to focus on new things that I might be interested in, whether it's investments or another creative outlet or another product, or, or whatever it may be. Um, but I don't want to say that I'm lucky because it's taken me ever since I quit my job 12 years ago to cultivate this into what it is now. And it's and it took a lot of mistakes and laziness and getting over that laziness and reading things and, and, and thinking that I'm not the best example of uh, entrepreneur uh, in order to pick up the habits and the methods and the systems, right? Because like I'm not what I've be, what I've changed is that I don't really have goals. I don't have these lofty, huge goals because those can change the older you get, or you just realize you don't want to own a studio or an agency. So I have systems, and they're just small things. You know, I do my systems every day. I'm productive. I keep thinking about what it is that I want to do, and slowly but surely, I find out that opportunities are presented to me that might represent what I would have thought of as a goal. Uh, you just kind of keep it flexible. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't live and die by one thing happening in your life. So, well, this turned into being a lot more interesting topics than kind of what we had planned on. You know, I, I hope that the people listening that are either working from home or considering working from home can get some tips yeah. from you. 
and about how to stay motivated sure. or really about how to organize your day. That Feel thing. free to reach out to me. I won't get coffee with you, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll email you. Tell, <laughs> us, know that now. tell us how people could get a hold of you or find you if they wanted to. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, find me online at, at Kevin Kelly USA. <laughs> That's on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can email me through snakebiteco.com. All the emails come to me. Um, and I have a podcast too called Anti uh, that I've been. I think this is the first time I've been the the guest in a while since I've been hosting my own podcast. So That's check that cool. out on on uh, wherever you get podcast. A N T I hyphen with Kevin Kelly. What A N T I A N T I and the hyphen is the is the name dash yeah Anti and Kevin Kelly. So if you search Anti Kevin Kelly, you'll find the podcast. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, okay. man. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me... Uh, Anything else we should ask you about today? Um, no, I mean, I you know, I'm just getting warmed up. Could go for another two hours. That's wow. my format. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, thank you for being here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go get some coffee sometime and just talk, you know? We'll just yeah, bro, out. totally. Adam Meet learns nothing from hey, the podcast. What's that? Adam learns nothing from the podcast. Yeah. That's why we love him. Yep. I had a long lunch <laughs> meeting today that was... But it was good. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for. I mean, I could. I think we could get into asking you more detailed questions, but I think we got the point across. Yeah, and for sure, you know, I, I have. You know, I'm kind of exiting the whole working from home thing after 12 years, and so maybe I come back on and talk about not working from home and and oh. and, and getting into you know a new business. Are you part, productive or not? More productive or not? You know, that's interesting. interesting. Like so, sometimes I think switching it up and having your office offsite does make you more productive. Honestly, I think it's just switching it up. Switching it up. Yeah. Well, hold on a second. If you're going to end with that, we have to, I don't need to know like what this opportunity is, <laughs> but I want to know because people listening are going to say, are you taking whatever this opportunity is because you're going to be more productive or just a great opportunity? Uh, it's a great opportunity and I'll be more hands-on with, uh, my products uh, on the product side of my business. So designing and making more products. Um, I'll be working out of a, a retail location and a warehouse. That'll be so interesting to follow up with you and hear yep. like how yeah. your perspective changes in uh, a year from now. Whatever, yeah, you know? totally. And uh, you know, I think the, the takeaway is just keep an open mind with whatever it is that you think you know. And, and keep growing. And will question you yourself and yeah. what you think it is that you're an expert at. Are you going to have flexibility or will you have yeah. to be a nine to five kind of person or what? No, no, I'll still be my own boss. Um, you're never happy unless you're your own boss. Love that. <laughs> and still aren't then or whatever. What Just you don't say? recommend it to anybody. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much. Anybody listening, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at HermanLondon.com. Any topics, any questions you want to ask? And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. Take, Take care. care. Peace.